Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Your Quality Life, a brand new series with the Lethbridge Sport Council. With YQL, Your Quality Life, we hope that we will be able to highlight the many benefits that come from being involved in sport or an active lifestyle uh, beyond just the competitive, but uh, talking about uh, just how far being active can go to improve the quality of one's own life in terms of social experiences, professional opportunities, relationships, and just overall health and happiness, both mental and physical. Today, we have the wonderful opportunity to hear from Chantelle Erickson. Chantelle is a certified personal trainer at Kinetic Indoor Cycle and Fitness and has worked there for the last seven years. She has been in the fitness industry for eight years. She is a mother and an ultra marathoner, a freelance writer for Canadian Running Magazine, and also works as a running coach at Personal Peak. She got a late start to her fitness career, but uh, since picking it up in college, she has been on an incredible path and has a very inspiring story to tell. I very much hope that uh, you enjoy listening to this interview. And uh, if you or, or someone you know, you think would make a good addition to the Your Quality Life series, please email info at lethbridgesportcouncil.ca with your nomination. Thank you and enjoy the interview. All right, um, so how about we start off with uh, you giving a, a brief introduction to yourself. Um, who are you and uh, what is it that you do for anyone who doesn't know you? For sure. So my name is Chantal Erickson and I am a certified personal trainer, uh, fitness instructor. Um, uh, as my main job, I work for Kinetic Indoor Cycle and Fitness. Uh, I've been with Kinetic Indoor Cycle and Fitness for seven years. I've been in the fitness industry as a professional for eight. Um, and yeah, I, I'm responsible for teaching anywhere between when it's non-COVID, 15 and 18 fitness classes a week. Um, and then I also personal train on top of that. So I teach a variety of classes. I teach um, indoor cycling, um, indoor rowing, um, bar, uh, strength and um, strength conditioning. Um, and I also have a pre and postnatal certification. So I am responsible for our pre and postnatal program at Kinetic, which is the largest in the city. Um, the program is called Baby Mamas and Papas. And um, we do postnatal fitness that is friendly for people to bring their child with them to exercise. So, and then uh, in recent years, in the last three years, I also introduced Lethbridge's first trail running class. So I teach trail running in the coolies. I target beginners and rookies or people who are, are recreational runners on the road um, and want to transition to learning how to trail run. And yeah, so that's what I do for my main job. Is my side, my one of my side jobs is I uh, freelance write for Canadian Running Magazine, and then I also work as a running coach. I work for a company called Personal Peak, and uh, and that's one of my other side jobs. Is I I hold people accountable to running programs. We have an exercise physiologist that designs the programs, and as a coach, I hold my athletes accountable to their programs keep them motivated keep them inspired keep them going so yeah that sounds like a pretty full plate to me awesome and outside yeah. of your professional career you're also a ultra marathoner right yeah that's correct yep 
Awesome. Yeah. So I, yeah, I spend pretty much all my spare time in training. So if I'm not working teaching fitness, I'm usually to be found running or spending time with my kids or drinking coffee. Um, <laughs> those are my main hobbies. Um, writing for the magazine. But yeah, I am, I am an ultra runner. I have done um, distances. Uh, I mean, I've run road marathons and I've transitioned from being a road marathoner to a trail ultra marathoner. I've done 50K distances. I've done 100K. I've done relay teams. And I've done some really interesting races too. Uh, one race in, in Fernie, BC called the Lone Wolf. I'm really always interested in um, in new new events and new races. I love to support new things and help race directors attract people to things. Because if I love something, I'd, I'd like to share that with other people. So yeah, I've done some interesting races. Some of them are called um, washing machine style races where basically it's a competition with yourself. Um, if you make it back off the mountain within the hour, and start again in the next hour, you just go and go and go until you can't go anymore. And so I'm competitive with myself. So that this is type of competition, but that's, that's my ultra. I could go on and on about ultra marathoning. I love ultra marathoning. So. <laughs> well, that's good. It's good to love what you do. Well, how about we get into how you got started? Uh, either childhood or, or at what point in your life did you really start with your active living journey? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I was invited to exercise by a roommate in college. Um, I wasn't overly healthy body composition wise. And I had, I got a new roommate in college and she asked me if I would hit the gym with her. And I was like, no, I won't. Um, but then she was like, well, why not? And so it just took one invitation of someone to invite me and basically show me the ropes. She really was the first person to help me attach to a lifestyle change. And so I started making exercise a regular part of my day. I started changing my diet. I ended up losing 30 pounds um, just by changing my lifestyle. And I attached to running very quickly because of how it made me feel mentally. So for me, the sport of running has always, since the very beginning, been about mental health. Um, because mental health runs in my family, a lot of my family members have mental health, uh, diagnosed mental health issues. I was fortunate enough to find running at about 21 um, and have just consistently been running and racing basically since my 20s that I just feel like running is my, my way of managing mental health, daily mental health, being a parent and managing it, COVID mental health. Um, so yeah. Um, and then from there, I progressed forward really slowly. You know, for me, it was always about goal setting. So I worked the courage up one day to enter a race. When I crossed the finish line to my first race, I realized, wow, you really can do anything you put your mind to. And after that first race, I kind of got really kind of hooked to personal growth and development and pushing myself. And so thus began the journey of going from 10K to half marathon. Eventually after I did several half marathons, I decided to go to a full marathon. For me, my mandate was always, when I feel like I have something left to give at the finish line, if there's more gas in my tank, then I'll push to the next level. And so when I finished those, you know, I think it did about six half marathons. I actually did some relay races, relay marathons and team, loved that. And then that got the uh, jitters out of me to do my own half marathon or full marathon. And so I did that. And then um, I eventually transitioned to the trail. It was a Lethbridge, it was a Lethbridge resident who invited me to go on a trail run with them one day. And I didn't really know what was back there in the coolies. And I was like, wow, there's a whole trail system back here. And instantly was hooked. 
because of the exploration of the coolies and getting lost in thought back there. And I decided to sort of pay attention to what the Lethbridge trail runners were doing. And I made some buddies with some people and started watching people. And that gave me the inspiration to go after my first 50K. So I hired a running coach and I trained for my first 50K. And yeah, and then after doing a couple of those, uh, and again, I did some relay racing here in, in the local community, Cooley Cactus Crawl is a nice relay race, nice entry level race for, for rookies to trail running, where you don't have to do it all by yourself. But after that, I progressed to my 100K. And just before COVID, I finished my first 100K. And, and now the addiction is on. So I'll be progressing even more. So yeah, that's probably long winded, but that gives you a bit of an idea there. No, that's a great idea. And there's lots of things there that I'd love to to go back and touch on that I think are really important. Um, you were already in college when you really started your journey. So I think I can safely assume that you did not, a 20 year old or 19 year old, you did not expect to be doing this for your career uh, at the time. At, at what point? Not at all. At what point did you yeah. uh, realize this was something that you couldn't just do uh, for recreation, but was something you could do uh, as a career? That's a great question. Um, I, uh, I had a desk job and I was a recruiter. So I worked in admissions for the school I went to and I recruited and, um, and then I had a baby and I didn't want to go back to work full time. So I career shifted, got a new job and I actually lost my second child in a miscarriage and I went to exercise to cope with that. And so I used running, I drove my, whatever it was I was going through mentally and I used running as a way to basically heal from that. And then I just started to get into exercise just a little bit more intensely from that. I just went a little bit, I became a little bit more committed. And a friend of mine was like, you know, you're always like drawing people to yourself and what you're doing. You know, you get people to pick up the sport of running, pick up going to the gym and lifting weights and different things like that. Have you ever thought of doing this as a career? And at the time I was like, not really. So I actually took two steps back, a pay cut and decided to follow something I really loved to do. And then I really realized that it's much better to love what you do every day for your job than to do something you really don't love. So that's how I got into it. I, I, the place I was working, I, somebody, a coworker just said to me, do it, like go after it, you have nothing to lose. So I did the career transition thing, it was stressful. On social media, I got my first job by accident. I posted that I was, I finished my certification for being a trainer and a gym reached out to me and said, Hey, we like you come and work for us. So I did, I worked for them and I was very fortunate. I joined a mentorship program, like an apprenticeship program. So I actually got paid to watch other trainers train and watch other people lead classes, take notes, learn my lingo, learn cueing, learn some hands-on stuff in a really tangible way. And I was fortunate enough to work with ladies that conditioned hockey teams. So I had this boss that conditioned hockey teams. I worked with people that were figure skating uh, trainers. I had this whole like variety of people that I was like kind of shadowing and it made for a really rich start to the industry. So eventually, you know, I come around in my classes and just talking, my passion for running starts to come out to clients as you're talking and making small talk. And uh, eventually I made it a goal to recruit one person out of my class, out of my classes every year to running. So if I saw some potential in somebody and they, they're a recreational runner and I thought, 
you know, they've got potential to push harder. They just need someone to believe in them. And, and so I'm going to take them under my wing. So I started taking one person from the gym under my wing and turning them into half marathoners and marathoners. And today, those people today that I've managed to recruit are now ultra marathoners. And they never believed they could cross a half marathon finish. So I basically decided that I was going to give back to the, the people that had inspired me, you know, and so, and it's still a goal of mine. So, so every year, keep my eyes open and I look for those people that just need someone to inspire them and maybe encourage them to see the competition with themselves uh, greater than what they see it. So, yeah. That's incredible. That's, that's awesome. Um, so, I mean, you talk about wanting to give back and, and you got into the sport through a friend and now you uh, bring other people over to the dark side of ultra marathoning. <laughs> I yeah. wanted to give back to the sport. So can you talk a little about uh, what being an ultra marathon or being a runner and, and having that fitness lifestyle has done to your social life, to being part of a community? Oh, changed my social life. Running since I picked it up at 21 has been a major component to my social life and has given me networking that I would never have found outside of the running community and so it's also helped my job and my career because of all the people that I crossed paths with. But when I moved to Lethbridge, I was encouraged to join the Runner's Soul Marathon group. I was really intimidated to join a group and run in a group just because I thought I would be too slow or whatever. And I wasn't even slow, but I just was intimidated, right? And I joined the Runner's Soul Marathon Club, and it just took away all of my anxiety about being in a community. And if it wasn't for that community of people, every time you go on a run, a weekend run, you're brushing, so you're coming along somebody, you're having a conversation, you're making a connection. People, you, you hear people talking about racing, you learn, it's educational. And then eventually you see people at a race and they go, oh, hey, you know, and you build this relationship. And then it, it extends out to the Facebook groups here too in Lethbridge. Lethbridge is a very, very blessed community in terms of the recreational side. Like this is a community that I've never seen. I actually featured it as my first article for Canadian running. I featured the Lethbridge um, Marathon Club, the Runner's Soul Marathon Club, because I've never, and I've lived in Ontario, Saskatchewan, and Alberta now, and I've never seen a community that's so recreationally communicate, like uh, community-based. So yeah, I think Community is key. That's where you see people that are a little bit ahead of you and get inspired. That's where people are looking to you to be inspired. Like I said, you share stories and experiences and you basically get a leg up living here because you get to hear from people, trials and errors, mistakes, opportunities. You even get to attend races together and feel supported. And so we had, I said, this is an insane community. And the crossover goes from running to mountain biking. Now I'm into mountain biking and only because of running, because I met runners who also mountain bike and I met runners who also hike really seriously. So I started getting into the mountains and hiking. And now I'm into all these sports just because of joining the running community here. So it is so, it's the ability to network, network your sports, network your capabilities. Um, networking is just a huge thing within being a part of a community. Not to take away from that because there's the community side, but in my experience, when people get into sport, there really has to be something uh, intrinsic coming from inside of them that drives them to, to really stay with it. And, and I know you touched on uh, mental health earlier, and I, I think it'd be great if you could talk a bit more about uh, that very personal thing that, that connects you with your sport and keeps you coming back to it. 
For sure, for sure. I've had a lot of obstacles in my life. I really believe that running has helped me overcome them and be more successful on the other side of my obstacles. Plus, running is really physically taxing and challenging. Not even racing, it's just the training. The training of training for a race is there's a lot of crossover to life. So, life is basically a marathon, right? Like, you're constantly going to have hurdles, setbacks, struggles, challenges. But then you have those moments where you succeed, but you reflect back on the journey. And there's a lot of crossover for running for me. So sometimes running has been a place where I go and get my stress out. So if like life is stressful, work is stressful, finances are stressful, whatever's stressful, running has the ability to just give you a momentary relief from that. The sport itself, the endorphin release, all those things. It also gives you tenacity. So if you're at a part, if you're at a part in your life where you're just you're, you're angry or you're just struggling or whatever it is. It can actually be something very positive in the world of running. Some of my best race times have come out of some of my worst personal seasons because I use it as a vehicle, a healthy vehicle, in my opinion, to cope with life and deal with it. And yeah, like some really, like, I mean, I have some really crazy stories of some life things that have happened, but it's also very full circle. So when I'm running with somebody in community, we often talk about our life, that that day, that week, whatever. And then it oftentimes goes really deep and people really open up when they're running. And and sometimes you exchange a story and, and it really, really helps somebody get through their moment. So it's almost like passing the torch. But yeah, that's that's the big part of running for me in terms of um of the mental health piece. On the postpartum side of having a child, there's a lot of postpartum depression and things like that. I I went right back to racing. So as soon as I had my kids, as soon as I was ready in my body, I signed up for a, I actually signed up for a race while I was pregnant, and I got back to training. And I think that really helped me avoid postpartum depression. And now I give that back to mom. So in my fitness classes, whether people think they're runners or not, I train people to walk, run. And at the end of the season, I mean, I've watched moms that couldn't even run a minute, and now are are, are half marathoners. And so. Again, it's that mental health piece, right? It's just believing in something. I think I think you just need to, I think the sport of running allows me to believe that I'm capable of so many things. And it just takes one finish line to cross and you're hooked. And then you get that, you get that belief that you can do more. So, yeah. I, I think that uh, there's something really interesting about the marathon and ultra marathon community and, and culture in the groups and that I don't see so many other sports that are so uh, supportive and willing to recognize other people's achievements as people are in uh, in the marathon and ultra marathon groups celebrating other people being able to, to finish and, and complete an event. Talk to me a little bit about what that, that culture is like and uh, if you think that it would be an important thing for other sports to learn from and try mm-hmm. to incorporate more in their own communities. That's a really, really great question. Yeah, you're right. The sport of running really does love to celebrate accomplishment. I think it's like the statistic is like 1% of the world population runs a marathon or something crazy. It's some crazy statistic. And so like running a marathon is actually a really amazing life accomplishment. And I think the celebratory piece of it, like it, it takes a it takes a whole village of people for a marathon or to cross a marathon finish line. Like people don't realize that, you know, they sacrifice they sacrifice time with their family to train or whatever it might be, right? And so oftentimes your family is just 
so proud of you because they see the work that you put in day in and day out. Um, and then other runners just understand the sacrifices and every runner has a hard moment, hard season and injury. Injuring, injuring is a very big topic of conversation in the world of running, overcoming an injury and coming back and racing and those kinds of things are all to be celebrated. And, and yeah, in the running community, um, oftentimes, uh, you know, it's those people that are crossing their very first finish lines that we as veteran runners love to celebrate the most. And yeah, you know, I'm actually sitting in front of a, behind a vehicle right now that has a 26.2 bumper sticker on it, a marathon bumper sticker. It is a very prideful thing to have finished a marathon. And I'm literally sitting in front of a vehicle here that has that sticker. And so again, like I said, the amount of discipline it takes, the running community just knows and understands that and celebrates that. And it's not about being fast. Again, statistically, I think the average finishing time for a marathon, there's like the world average, the North American average, female and male. It's actually not that fast. It's well over the four hour mark. It might even be the five hour mark. You know, and elites are finishing marathons in two hours. And, but most, the majority of the world is not elite when it comes to running. Recreational runners take up the larger percentage of runners worldwide. And, yeah, so there's so much to celebrate there. And then in terms of like male, female stuff, the, the, um, female, female accomplishments in running have been progressively growing and growing. And just recently in the last few years, women crossed over to be the bigger statistic in running. So there's more women running than men, just by, just by a few percent. Um, but yeah, statistically, that's a thing too. And, and so that's a real accomplishment and something to celebrate in terms of like all the things that women have worked so hard to receive, um, you know, equality and, and different things like that. So yeah, I hope I kind of answered your question. I might've got off topic there a little bit, but it is, we live to celebrate other runners and their accomplishments. And that is the addiction of the sport. And until you're a runner and cross the finish line, you won't really understand that, but as soon as you do, you realize how rich the community is because of how well supported you are. So, yeah. <laughs> That's a great answer. You don't have to worry about that. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm like, I, sometimes I'm talking, I'm like, oh no, is this on track? Yeah. No, the passion is shining through you. It's, it's quite wonderful. Um, I'd like to touch on the last thing you talked about, and, and it's something you sort of uh, have, have mentioned throughout, and that's that I feel like people who aren't in to marathoning or, or great endurance races, triathlons, ultra marathons, they really see the world uh, in like black and white. There's marathon runners and there's people that can't run a marathon, but that's mm. just not the case. Nobody wakes up one morning and says, I'm going to run a marathon tomorrow. When's the last soul ultra marathon? Oh, next week I'll sign up and go run. Everyone on earth is a number of steps away from being able to run a, a marathon and yeah. an ultra marathon. And you've talked about your progression from half marathons to marathons, relay races, the 50K to the 100K, and now going on beyond that. So if you could take a second to explain to the uninitiated how it's really a matter of steps and, and a series of building blocks to being able to build, uh, uh, to run a marathon rather. And it's not just this mystical thing that you either can or cannot do. Again, another great question, another way, a great framing of that. I think the big thing is, is not to try to see the whole picture right away. You bite off one small component and you, you finish that. Like it's all about small goals within a great vision. I think for a lot of people that 
5k race that they first finish is 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 that thing that you need to do and just celebrate that and then learn what makes you happy like for me I always ask myself like what's my reason for doing this what's my why why do I do this and so everybody's going to have a different answer to that and for some people the 5k and the 10k are going to be the furthest distances they run because you know they're not running for reasons of constantly trying to push themselves out of their comfort zone into the next level not everybody's wired like that I think the biggest thing is to start small and let it be a snowball effect and to not put any close any lids on your possibilities I think as soon as you believe you can't, then you won't. A lot of it is mental. I think we we accomplish in life what we set out, like what we vision for ourselves to accomplish. It all starts with vision. Uh, my encouragement to people is to start small, finish one small thing, and let that grow into the next thing. I often actually find that people that just like run and then jump right to a half marathon, it, I mean, it's possible to do that. Or even now, because ultra marathoning is becoming so popular, people skip road marathoning and go straight to ultra marathoning i'll be honest with you a lot of my success in being an ultra marathoner and um even finishing my 100k which took me 16 hours is having run the road marathon because the road marathon is actually one of the hardest races a person will ever run i find it harder than ultra marathoning in the trails because it is very hard on the body your training runs get very very long and tedious and the commitment level if you make it all the way through your training is very high and so to skip certain things could actually be um setting you back a little bit there's things to be learned at every level there's things to be learned at every level there's so much to learn at 5k and to this day 5k races intimidate me the most because for me I have to come out of the gates hard in a 5K and work very hard for a 5K. You know, that's the shortest distance. And so there's different growth phases at each interval. And I think it's all dependent on what you want to grow in right now. Some people need to grow in their mental health and their mind. And in my opinion, those people should seek the greater distances because the greater distances require greater mental strength and greater mental endurance. And we have a little saying in the ultra marathoning community where your your body is not going to take you to the finish line. Your mind does. Anybody will tell you that your body will break down. It breaks down in a marathon and eventually your mind is what powers you to the finish line. Yeah, you're not a superhero in your body. Not even the Olympians and the elites are. It's all about mental strength. And so that's why I think running is such an accessible, it should be an accessible sport and people need to consider it. And not just think they could never. I hear that a million times. Oh, I could never be a runner. I've, I've seen people say that and now are marathoners. Because it is truthfully probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest sport, that you can do from being absolute no fitness level to becoming a marathoner. It is the greatest possible. I'm going to say 99.9% .9 possible to go from zero to hero in, in running, for sure. Absolutely. And you don't have to start too young either. You, you started it at the age of 21. You don't have to practice running from the age of six onwards to be able to do it one day. That's, that's awesome. Well, let's, let's go back to the career side of things. Um, Cause uh, you're an instructor and there's a lot of teaching that you do, but I think what a lot of people don't realize is learning is a two-way street, really. Every, 
input you give to an athlete you're working with, you get a response back and, and you learn that. So if you could tell me a bit about lessons you've learned uh, about teaching and maybe even about yourself as you've been an instructor, uh, that would be awesome. I absolutely love that question. Yeah. Um, oh, personal training and fitness instructing has been such one of the best educational grounds I've ever participated in. It started when I started getting kind of like, I guess I became known as the person that would take on the challenging cases. So I like a challenge because I love learning and I like to be challenged and not have all the answers and go on a journey of trying to figure it out. And I've been really fortunate to get clients in my roster who have been injured. I've seen some really serious injuries, overweight. I've worked with people who are young and, and quite old, the spectrum. And I take away so much more from my clients than they take from me. They think that they're getting so much from me, but I'm actually getting more from them. Number one, it's taught me how to diversify myself, how to make myself become a more inclusive trainer. Kind of one thing that I pride myself in as a trainer is making my classes accessible to all. And so I'm not into elitism. I'm not into people being like, I was that person, right? That when I initially joined a group fitness class, I was terrified. I remember I joined a spin class and it was full of Boston marathoners and it was me and a bunch of Boston marathoners. And I was so scared, but the instructor was so amazing. She was so welcoming and inviting. And I didn't feel, once I got in there, I didn't feel intimidated. And I always promised myself that that was going to be me. So oftentimes I get, I get clients that other people are afraid to work with because they're like, oh, I don't know, this looks like an impossible case or, oh, I don't know. I've had, I've had clients come in and say they needed to have their spine fused. And I thought, well, I'm no, I'm no miracle worker, but I, I, see some, I see some issues here like weak core, extremely weak glutes, very tight hamstrings. Have you ever done any flexibility training? Like what's been your job? Oh, my job is a trades guy. I've never, I'm always, I've been on my knees crawling around. Well, I think we need some things to, un we need to undo some things actually. And I mean, I've had grown men doing very simple exercises and they're kind of wondering, is this going to do anything? And, and one of my clients, one of my big success stories went from needing his spine fused. He was on, I mean, all kinds of treatments and he really didn't want to take this medication, a pain medication. He's like, I'm trying everything to not be hooked on a pill. We just did some very basic things. And after about six to eight months, he lost weight. He was feeling more mobile in his body. And I mean, today, I, you would never even know that he that he was an injured person. Overweight people, people who, you know, I had to make sure that I, I trained them at times of the day where there was nobody else around just because they were that self-conscious. And that was important to them. And so I made sure they received very private training, these kinds of things. And mostly in the exchange of conversation with people and and helping people set goals for their life, right? So like, a lot of times people come in and their goals are very basic, but I, I see so much more potential in them. So for me, it's like getting to know a person and draw some greater, some greater uh, opportunities and possibilities for them, you know, and I've watched people complete triathlons and long bike rides for charity and marathons and Spartans and all kinds of different things because they just needed to believe that they could. And I think as a trainer, you're a good trainer if you can, if you can help people grow in their, uh, not just their physical health, but in their personal development and in their emotional health. So normally when I meet people who are thinking about 
getting into fitness, losing some weight, trying a new sport, the number one concern they cite isn't that they aren't interested, it's that they're intimidated. They're, they're afraid to get involved or, or afraid of being judged or afraid that they're gonna get the you know, stereotypical uh, American football coach screaming at them and, and beating them into the ground until they're throwing up. Awesome that people can have a, a safe and inclusive space to to get started. Yeah, inclusivity is so key. And like, I started building that in in the spin room as a spin instructor, not drawing attention to certain types of people, not always drawing attention to the people that are awesome at it. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think that happens in a lot of places. It's all the people that are the most fit or the fastest, and they get all the attention and. Sometimes I don't feel like I deserve some of the things that I have earned in terms, you know, in my industry and stuff with awards, but, but I am a recreational athlete and, and I, and I even struggle with that. Cause it's like, well, I, I've never been an elite athlete. I'm not an elite. I, I would call myself like sub elite if I had a category, but I'm still very much a recreational. I do this for the fun. And you think to yourself, well, do I deserve that? Cause I'm not, I, I'm not that trainer with the, overly jacked physique or whatever like I call myself a lifestyle trainer and when I get a client I tell them we're not in this for a quick fix we're in this for life so we're going to learn some skills so that you don't need me anymore and when these things end you continue on with them that's my whole purpose as a trainer is like I think it's an absolute waste of somebody's time and money to get quick and fast results and then regress back to where they were if they can't take the reins and get them in their own hands and change their life and change the direction and the course of their life, then what is the point? Some of my overweight clients on my intake sheets, I have, what are your goals? What are your goals short-term? What are your long-term goals? I get all kinds of things written down there. I get, I'd like to be able to run around the yard with my grandkids and, and not feel totally winded. Great goal. I love that goal. That's a real practical goal. You know, I, I'd love to do this. I'd love to do that. It's not always about numbers and digits and, they say that you tend to attract what you are. And so I tend to get people that, you know, their goals are just different and our pace to getting to those goals is going to be a journey. I believe in slow and steady wins the race. So <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And, and, and I like that last bit there. Cause I think, I mean, so many times you hear people where their only goals are based on a number uh, and that's just not to life doesn't exist in numbers. You know, it's about experiences. It's about things you can and, uh, and can't do and and building up to those. Let's talk a bit about how your journey with with running and with active lifestyle connects to your uh, your journey thus far as as a mother. So, what would you say out of running and your experiences before motherhood? Uh, what would you say helped prepare you for being a mom or, or carried over into being a mom? Mm, I love this. You are a great interviewer. You have great questions. <laughs> Um, you really are. So one of the hardest things for mom is one of the biggest excuses moms make is I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. I hate that excuse because time, we're never going to have time unless we create time and prioritizing self makes everybody's life better around you. And so I think when people realize that when you take care of yourself, especially as a mom, then the rest of your family is healthier and happier. If I'm a miserable mom, and I steer the ship and I'm, I'm a lot of the time, everybody's emotional support and I'm not well, then things are typically not well. So running gave me discipline. 
running, I was up at five. So since I met this roommate in college, we used to get up before classes. So we were at the gym at 5.30. We were the 5.30 a.m. gym rat. And I have literally worked out at 5.30 in the morning since I was 21. Never changed the time because I just literally got into a lifestyle groove like that. And when I became a mom, I didn't really change. I was stubborn with myself. So even though I was tired, even though I didn't get a great night's sleep, I still got up and tried to get that 30 minutes, that 5K, whatever it was I could fit in. And then as my kids got older, I decided that this was going to be something that we do together. And so, because I'm a really big believer in modeling, in actually personally modeling things for my kids and, and not just saying it. So my fondest memories, literally my fondest memories in running are when I push my kids in chariots in training. And honestly, I have to give them credit. They probably, some of my best race times came out of seasons when I pushed the chariot for my long runs or whatever. And, and there was a time when I had both my kids in there 70 pounds and pushing it on 10 mile runs and they were patient enough to stay in there. And I, and I was stubborn enough to do my 10 mile runs with that. So I built the discipline prior to, I carved that time out. I also created time to spend with my kids and weave it into my motherhood schedule. Um, and then very quickly, because my kids grabbed that and saw that their mom was a runner, and it was always normal for them. Mom's going on a run, and then she'll be back, and we'll have breakfast when mom gets home. It's very normal for my kids. That's their lifestyle. They understand it like that. Attend my races and see me cross finish lines and, you know, those kinds of things. Eventually, my son and now my daughter are interested in the sport. And, you know, I because I, I think I showed them. And so... Um, it, it, it feels like a big roundabout accomplishment when you watch your own kids cross. Like my son ran the Little Souls Marathon several years ago and hearing his name on the loudspeaker just like he heard his mom's and coming down the laneway and having people cheer for him on the sidelines and have his bib on and get his medal and his chocolate milk at the end and all that stuff. You know, it's a sense of accomplishment. And he wanted his medals hung up just the way I hang, hang my medals up. So it's about role modeling and setting an example. And... And I always make sure to tell my kids why I run. Guys, mom just needs to go on around to blow off some steam right now. Guys, mom just, and, and it never fails. I'm always a happier person when I'm back. And my husband knows that too. And I'm not the only mom that says that, you know? <laughs> so some, our partners know, you know, they're just, there's a better version of themselves when they've had that 35, 45 an hour to themselves. I think it helps moms just uh, balance their time. And when they have to go back to work, especially, when you're in that position and now you've got to go to work and you, you've got to balance a child. Well, now you've really got it down pat because you never really stop prioritizing yourself. So it does take a lot of discipline and rigor, but when you find it, you pretty much are, you're set on it, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's neat. I, I think your kids have uh, got a really a good start off uh, with their sporting careers now for sure. Well, we'll play the, the other side of it now. And obviously uh, they helped your training by being a, a weighted, uh, the weight in the chariot to help you uh, train. Yeah. Out, outside of that, what would you say that motherhood has taught you that you've been able to take into your, um, your active living and running career? Well, that's a really deep question. I think the biggest challenge with motherhood and parenting in general is a lot of it comes from you. So the tone of parenting and motherhood is, is is set by who I am. And so my, ch my children are a product of what I'm teaching them and how I'm raising them. And so 
I feel like if I can give them the best version of myself, which for me, I find through sport and, and seeking to do the things that make me happy and, and the things I'm passionate about, then it helps them find the person that they are. So I feel for me as a parent now, my priority with my kids is just that they have a desire to take care of themselves and to dream big for themselves. And I think that comes from being a runner. I have a very relaxed state of mind when it comes to potentially what my kids want to do with their life, because I don't want to put any caps on their potential because I just think that potential can be grown and it can evolve and it takes time. And so I think, yeah, running has definitely impacted the view, my, my view of motherhood and how I'm raising my kids and the big picture for them in terms of what they will choose to do for careers and who they will choose to be. And I look within my side myself a lot of the time and running has given me the ability to do that. Running has given me the ability to self-reflect, and I think that it actually gives mothers who run, I think, have a leg up when it comes to that. I think we are a bit more introspective. Again, the sport of running, you're in your head a lot, you're thinking a lot, and you're discovering yourself. And again, I just think parenting in general, you parent better. If you know yourself better, you parent better. And I think a lot of people walk around and just, don't know themselves and parent and and when their kids grow up and leave they don't know what to do with themselves they don't have hobbies they don't have things they enjoy and not me like <laughs> I love my kids but when my kids grow up and don't need me the way that they need me now you know that's good I mean I I have more time for myself and my goals and so my kids joined my lifestyle I had kids and they joined my lifestyle and and that's how I view it and I think running just keeps that framework in check for me on a day-to-day basis. Really incredible. I, I like that. I definitely have seen it happen before with parents who uh, who don't necessarily have hobbies or stuff, and they, they feel lost when their uh, when their kids leave the house. And I think that that's definitely something we want to hit home with this series. Is it's all about finding yourself, finding what makes you happiest. Uh, so that's a, a really incredible thing to have you share with that's us. That's great. Yeah. This series is going to be so great. Yeah, uh, I hope so. I think so. Uh, I look forward to it um, going forward. Yeah, I mean, this is setting a, a really incredible tone here. So now, as we're slowly easing into our reopening plan that hopefully will be our final one, uh, what's the plan for the rest of the summer and for 2022? Uh, yeah, so... I, I just jumped back into outdoor instructing this week, which I literally just texted my employer and said, oh, it's been such a great day just because I've been with people outside again. Like my level of happiness has shot up 90%. I will be spending my summer keeping people sit outside and turning some frowns upside down. And I've got a really important job right now as a fitness instructor to help people get back in shape. You know, pretty much everybody's just not in full health when it comes to mental, emotional, and physical. And so... Um, my job is to get people's motors turned on again, get them going. Um, I'll be re- leading a lot of outdoor boot camps and classes, so I'll be in the, the great outdoors this summer. And I am working towards some of my race goals. I'm really fortunate because I chose races that are in the fall, and it's looking pretty positive for that. So 
I'm running um, the Golden Ultra in Golden, BC, which is my very first stage race. It's a three-day event where I run three different days of mountain running. And so it's just a different kind of ultra marathoning. And then I'm running uh, Grizzly 50K in Canmore uh, on October, on Thanksgiving weekend. So that's kind of the plan for me in terms of running this year. And then going into 2022, I'm actually like... I, I have this thing that I do every year. I, I kind of just like, I do it actually when I'm running. I just kind of like listen and just sort of wait for a word to come to me that sort of is my my word for the year. And they've, they've been different words. Adventures was one, one word. And that year I ran my first 50K and, and did my first backpack trip across the Bob Marshall in Montana for a week. And, and another year it was rest. And that year I really worked on getting my body healthier I kind of had some really bad iron levels and different things like that and I started getting more sleep and taking care of my health a little bit better that way and this year the word is open so I've just been trying to have like a really open heart to wherever things are steering me I've got a lot of really cool things I'm doing with CanFit Pro I'm a speaker for a panel I'm a panelist speaker this summer for a virtual like CanFit Pro's global uh, conference I get to speak on um, and represent indoor cycling and how indoor cycling was impacted by COVID and where I foresee the future future going with indoor cycling. So that's kind of cool. And then pushing into 2022, it's just it's just more of building on the platform of what I'm doing. I've, I'd love to expand out. And I've been working on writing more pitches for more magazines, collecting stories from people. And I, I've spent a lot of time writing left, local Lethbridge residents' stories and submitting them as pitches to the running magazine. And I've, I've nailed a few of them, which is really cool. And so it's neat to see that. So I want more of that. Just building my professional platform a little bit more. And yeah, I've got some other things in the works too, but um, just kind of keeping quiet about that right now. But 2022, I'm really hoping to get off the ground a nonprofit that my heart is like really set on doing this. And I've got all the framework built, but I just haven't had the time with COVID and my kids home and stuff this year to really get the ball rolling. But I have a nonprofit organization called Spoken Soul, like S-P-O-K-E and Soul. And it's a cycling and running nonprofit for, uh, for females. It's basically like a big brothers, big sisters program but physical literacy, teaching girls the very foundational components of being a recreational runner and a recreational cyclist. My, my nonprofit's the big 2022 thing. So we'll see how that goes. It's a lot of work and I'm super grateful for the sport council and all these amazing people I'm around because it's lots, lots of good brains to pick. But so that's kind of my big, like, if I had a big overarching thing, that would be it. That's, yeah, that's awesome. I really hope that that gets off the ground. I, I think physical literacy is is so important, uh, often under uh, oh, underemphasized. Uh, I would say uh, so. Totally, and with all these kids and the growing obesity rates, and and not too many kids choose to be athletes in school, right? And so, what happens with all those kids? Like, you know, we're not all built to be athletes, but we all should move our bodies. So, absolutely, and I mean, uh, COVID really has emphasize those problems, unfortunately. Uh, and I, yeah. I think it'd be great uh, so long as we have people like you out there looking to uh, undo some of the stuff that has gone on this past year, for sure. I think that's my, my list of questions and we've been going for a while, almost an hour, I think. Um, so, Sorry, I'm long-winded. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. You've given me lots to work with. Uh, is there anything uh, you wanna end on? Uh, any anything you want to plug or, or, or just uh, say before we finish? Yeah, up? I just want to thank you because 
I wish that I wasn't so intimidated by sport growing up. I was so, I actually come from a family of athletes. My mom was a track star and my uncle was like a everything star uh, football. He was, he was offered a scholarship to play football in the States. And I come from a very athletic family, but I wasn't really the athlete. I was, I was the nerd. I was the, I was the bookworm. I was the one that loved to just read. (laughs) And so for me, my siblings were athletes and I was, and I was the oddball. And so I think finding fitness later in life was really cool and stuff and great, but I stayed true to myself. Like it wasn't my be all end all. And I think there's a lot of people out there too, who are like, well, I'd like to do some cool things with my life, but can I? And so I love what you're doing because we need representation on the recreational side of things. I now as an adult, am so inspired by competitive athletes. They're some of my biggest inspirations. We have a lot to learn from them because it takes a very special person to be competitive athletes. But yeah, the recreational world, I just think it needs more attention. And you guys are bringing that with the series. So that, so thank you for doing that. That's really, really, really innovative and really cool. Well, and thank you very much for, uh, for being a part of it. Uh, I really do hope that it's something that uh, will carry on for, for quite a while and, and maybe other uh, communities will look to have uh, something similar going as well. Uh, Absolutely. Set the bar high, Lethbridge. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for your time today, Chantel. And thus concludes a spectacular opener to the Your Quality Life series. Thank you very much for uh, spending time listening to this interview. I know I personally enjoyed it and will be uh, watching closely over Chantel's uh, social media in the coming months and years to to see uh, where she goes to from here. I think uh, a great takeaway from her story is just how she always looked to, to find that next level and always was, uh, was chasing what made her happiest. Uh, I think it's something that uh, we all can really learn and, and gain from Chantel and her story. Thank you very much once again for listening and hopefully we will uh, have you joining us for our next addition to Your Quality Life. Once again, if you do have a nomination for this series, please uh, send in your emails to info at lethbridgesportcouncil.ca. Thank you very much.